Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, once again we come before Thee asking that You would bless the Word as we study it and learn from it and hide it in our hearts and apply it in our lives that we might live in such a way that is honoring and pleasing unto you. We pray that you be with those that rule over us, that they might ever lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We do pray for our president who is sick. Pray that you would even raise him up from his bed of affliction. We know that it seems that from our way of thinking, all of his judgments and desires for the nation is not good. And we would pray that you would change his heart as well as the hearts of all who rule over us. Bless us, our God, to be a nation of peace and of prosperity. But I pray that the great prosperity would be a prosperity of godliness and righteousness, soul prosperity, more than physical. Nevertheless, thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come back to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, we were looking at the portion of that verse, the latter part where it says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And I said with regard to that, I wanted to read from John Gill again because I thought that he had some real good things. Well, to me, uh, he said it better than I can say it. And so that's the reason I read so much, uh, not only from him, but from others. And I know that reading is not always uh, entertaining, and sometimes it's hard to... Uh, or not as easy to comprehend what's being read as by impromptu speaking. But hopefully God will bless to where it will be a benefit to your soul. He said, A spiritual man should consider himself as in the body, and as carrying about with him a body of sin, a corrupt and treacherous heart that is full of deceitful lusts, 
by which he may be tempted also, and drawn away and enticed. And as being liable to the temptations of Satan, and of being overcome by them, them against which he should watch and pray, and should think with himself what he would choose, and should desire to be done to him in such a case, and do the like to others that are in it. This is a reason enforcing the exhortation, and indeed almost every word in the text carries an argument engaging to it. The relation the saint stands into one another as brethren should excite, excite, should excite them to seek each other's welfare and to restore any that are fallen and to abstain from all roughness and severity. The persons, persons addressed are spiritual and therefore should behave as such as have the fruits of the Spirit and among the rest of that meekness. And since they are strong, should help the weak and raise up the fallen. The person recommended to them as the objects of their pity, care, and concern are not such who have given up themselves to sin, but are circumvented by it and overtaken in it suddenly and at unawares. And besides, men are frail, sinful men, liable to sin, encompassed with infirmities, and espoused, excuse me, and exposed to snares and temptations, which are common to human nature, and therefore should be used gently and tenderly. The Apostle, having given an enumeration in the foregoing chapter of the works of the flesh and fruits of the Spirit, directs such as are in the exercise of the latter, that is, of the fruits of the Spirit, how to behave toward those that are fallen into the commission of any of the former which may be expected, since there is flesh as well as spirit in the best. So we see that we need to consider ourselves and also as we consider others. Chapter verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This tells us that a Christian is not a loner. A Christian is a member of the body of Christ, that is, the congregation of the Lord. And he is to be mindful of the other members, though not in the way of a busybody. We should always be thinking about other members of the congregation and praying for one another. And it's quite obvious that our congregation is small enough 
that each one of us could pray for each one, each other daily. <laughs> it wouldn't take long to do that. Though sometimes we might be caught up in the, in the spirit of prayer and praying for someone, and we might actually take a long time as God would bring various things to, to our minds. Praying for their needs. Praying for... Uh, we're just praying for uh, each other in all different ways. Regarding this, look in Second Thessalonians chapter three. Like I said, we should be mindful of each other, but not as busybodies. In verse 11, 2 Thessalonians 3, 11, For we hear that there are some which walk not among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. First Timothy chapter 5. Talking about younger women that have not married or don't don't marry. In verse thirteen. Well, let's just start. Let's just start in verse eleven. Might be someone out there in the internet that needs to hear this. But the younger widows refuse. In other words, a widow that is younger is not to be supported by the congregation. Why? For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having judgment, really instead of damnation there, but anyway, because they have cast off their first faith. Then notice verse 13. And with all they learn in to be idle, Wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger widow marry, bear, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Notice it didn't say for the younger widows to wait around and get romantic. Now, there is romance in marriage, but he told them that they're to marry and bear children. Didn't say they were married and get a job and put off having children and say, well, when it's convenient, I'll have children. That's contrary to the whole nature because if they're not doing what they ought to be, they're going to be tattlers. They're going to be going about talking and talking about things that they don't even need to be talking about. Women in the workforce are quite busy of talking about a bunch of things that they don't need to be talking about. 
You say, well, how do you know you're not a woman? No, I'm not a woman, but I sure have worked in the, in a bunch, around a bunch of women. And I can tell you this, that they would far be better off and society would have been better off if they were at home with children and raising them according to the word of the Lord. But that's another sermon. But the point is that we're not to be busybodies in other men's and other people's matters. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, we see this again. First Peter chapter four. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evil excuse me, or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. That's 1 Peter 4, verse uh, 15. I'm sure all of us, if we were to think hard enough, could go back and, and, and know of someone. Uh, we might have even been guilty ourselves of being a busybody that is talking about somebody else's problem when all we're talking about is hearsay and wind up somebody saying something and uh, really not knowing what they're talking about and make a fool out of themselves. So while we are, as we said here in uh, Galatians 5, 6 and 2, bear ye one another's burdens, while we are to bury one another's burdens, to fulfill the law of Christ, we're not to be a busybody. We're not to be involved in things that's none of our business. Here again, too often personal preferences may get involved rather than an actual sinful situation. I'm trying to think of a, of a good illustration of that. Well, uh, I think I found one. <laughs> uh, I know that there is, is a certain member of our congregation that enjoys watching certain baseball teams. And they enjoy watching them and uh, sometimes they don't enjoy it as much as others if their team doesn't win. <laughs> We're all guilty of that. But my point is that somebody may say, well, uh, they're just watching a sports thing and that has nothing to do with God and they don't need to be doing that. Well, that's none of their business. If that person is already reading and studying the Word of God and doing all the other things that they need to do, if they won't stop and watch a ball, ball game, uh, you see how that 
Somebody might say, well, they just need to be more spiritual and I'm going to talk to them about it. Well, they're being busybodies. They're being busybodies. What we're talking about here is a sin. A known sin. A known sin. And we are to bear one another's burdens. If a, if a brother is having trouble, let's say a, a, an individual may be having trouble with alcohol. If it takes going to that individual's house and setting up with them through the night to make sure that they don't give in to drunkenness, we need to bear the burden. We need to do what we can to help them overcome that particular sin. We live in a society that is so selfish that it's hard to find anybody that's willing to go the extra mile to help any other individual. Sometimes you might even find a situation to where an unbeliever is more a neighbor to someone than another Christian. And that's sad. That's sad. I'm thankful that I live in the little small community that I do live in. And I've got some good neighbors. Uh, if we were to get into a discussion theologically, we would probably uh, have a hard time seeing eye to eye. But I can say that I believe without any reservation that if I was in need in the middle of the night, I could call any one of the men in this little small community where I live and they'd be there. Are we willing to be as energetic and I'm going back to revolutionary days, be minute men. Be ready in a minute to help a brother or sister, obviously, but to help a brother in need that is having a sinful problem. I've given this illustration before. Well, it's not just an illustration. It's a, it was a real happening. And I've said, told this before. When I was uh, a member and a pastor at another congregation, we had some young men in that congregation that thought maybe they might be called to preach. And so we let them from time to time uh, teach a lesson or preach or whatever. And 
One Sunday evening, one Sunday night, a young man got up and gave an excellent message on love. I mean, it was it was outlined nicely. Uh, it was coherent. Uh, illustrations given was good and everything like that. We had a brother that was a member of that congregation that was having trouble making his house payment. And some decisions that he made in life caused him to get into that particular situation. But there was another member, man in the congregation that knew that this brother had this need. And so when the sermon was over, he made an announcement asking that all of us men meet together in the fellowship hall. He wanted to discuss a matter with us. And so we all went back there and met. And so this brother brought up the situation of another brother, of the brother that was in need and that he had a need to make his house payment and wondered if we could maybe dig into our pockets and come up with the money and not have to go into the treasury of the congregation because uh, we weren't uh, all that sufficient to do all of that and, and so on at that particular time. And so we did. But the young man that gave the excellent message on love, and those of you, you've heard me say it this before, you know where I'm going. But he stood up and he said, well, I'm not going to help him. He got himself into that mess and he can get himself out of it. Well, he wasn't bearing his burden. And that spoke volumes of that young man. Needless to say, he didn't last very long anyway. He went off trying to start his own work and do his own thing. And the last I heard of him, he uh, wasn't doing much of anything spiritually. But I don't know. But you see what we're talking about. True, the brother that got himself into that situation financially, he made some unwise decisions. But what? How many unwise decisions have me, we, we made when our Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for us? Did He not bear our, our burdens? And we too are to bear one of each other's burdens. And by doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. While we're not to commit adultery and we're not to get drunk and and we're not to lie and steal and do all those other things. <clears throat> we may be 
free from that and yet be far more guilty in not bearing one another's burdens. See, the, the word bear here has the idea of literally to endure, to sustain. And it's not only just to bear one another's burdens at one time. This word to bear is uh, grammatically and literally it is present Active, indicative. Now let's go backwards. You know what indicative means, don't you? That's a command. God has commanded us to do it. You know what active is, don't you? That means I'm to do it. You know what present is, don't you? I'm to do it now. In other words, what's that is what that is saying is that we are to continually be bearing one another's burdens and it's not an option. God has commanded us to do so. Regardless of how you feel. So that, it, it, in other words, we are taught to continually be mindful of each other. So that when others weep, we weep with them. And when they mourn, I mean when they rejoice, we rejoice with them. We who know Brother Poe, I have often said that the one Scripture that causes me to identify and describe Brother Poe as what the Lord said of Nathaniel, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. I have only given that evaluation to two men in my life that I could do that freely. One of them, as I said, is Brother Poe and the other one is some ladies uh, here in the congregation, their father, uh, Brother Copeland. A man in whom there is no guile. Now that didn't mean Brother Copeland was sinless and uh, uh, he could get uh, uh, mighty uh, uh, opinionated uh, on some things. But overall, that was his character. And when I first heard of uh, Brother Poe's house being destroyed by fire, uh, at least it's unlivable. It's not. It didn't just burn down. But I thought, why would God allow that to happen to this man? Shows our ignorance. But brother, when I talked to Brother Poe. Uh, he was quite calm. He was give, still give God glory, still give God praise.
But my soul throughout the week has been burdened and in prayer for Brother Poe. There's nothing I can do. He's got a good son that's taking care of him and place to live and got his health and things of that nature. A man of 92 years of age and was still mowing his own yard. He didn't mow it as quickly as he used to, but still mowing his yard and, and things of that nature and still trotting along, serving the Lord. He basically has quit preaching because he said that his mind has gotten to where he can't remember and he thought it best not to, not to preach, but occasionally he would still say things. But I would like to think in some way I bore his burden because he was on my heart. He, he was, was, he is a good brother. Sad to say I don't always have that same sympathy or empathy when I hear of others problems or trials or afflictions and it may be that many of them is because I don't know them that well. But still we need to have a sense of burden for them and have if, if nothing else, just to have a spirit of prayer to pray and do what we can to help one another. When I think of people's property being destroyed by fire that's going on now in, I think, in California in one place, others' property destroyed by rain or tornadoes and things of that nature. I'm thankful that I can still have a spirit of prayer for those folks even though I don't know them. But how much more so it should be for a brother or sister that's in need that has a sin problem Let's look at a few examples of this, the use of this word. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 17 is the verse that I want, but let's start at verse 16. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he, that is Jesus, cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick 
Now notice this. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Esaias, that's Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's the word. Bear one another's burdens. Luke chapter 14. Verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. John 19. John 19, verse 17. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. We read it this morning. I'll read it again. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. And naturally this is the word that is found in verse 2 of chapter 6 of Galatians, but it's also found in verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden, and then it's also found in uh, verse 15. No, verse 17. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So you see the idea of bearing, bearing, carrying. The idea of carrying a heavy load, a weight. And when one is carrying a load or a weight, that is put on him that is beyond his ability, we are to help him to carry the load. The burden on Pilgrim's back in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, that was a weight that was on his back. It was the weight of sin that only God could remove. But it gives us a picture of a saint struggling in the trials of life. And it should remind us of the chastening struggles of God that we have as believers when God speaks there in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. That we're chastened every day. And it can, it can apply not only to one being caught in a sin, but it can also apply to the daily struggles of a child of grace fighting against sin, as well as a brother fighting against a besetting sin. 
We are to bear one another's burdens. Like I said earlier, too often we're too quick to condemn one caught in the snares of sin when we should come along beside him and strengthen him to overcome the sin. I only read earlier uh, the first verse of Romans chapter 15. But I want to go back and read that verse again and read the next two following it. Romans 15, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. That's a tall order, is it not? And it takes being involved. Speaking of being involved, you remember what we preached on last Lord's Day? Fellowship, communion, joint participation. When we're truly fellowshipping one another, we are involved in each other's lives. And yet, we do it in such a way that we're not to be a busybody. Sometimes that might be a fine line of demarcation. But the sad part about it too often the day today the day in which we live when you try to help someone they don't want help they don't want you to be involved in their lives and if we're going to bear one another's burden and fulfill the law of Christ and we're going to try to Be there for their sin. We're going to have to open up our own sin that others can be there for us. It's a dangerous situation sometimes. Particularly if a busybody comes along. I determined early in my ministry if someone confided in me I was going to do my best to maintain that confidence. I think I've pretty well done that over the years. But what caused me to do that is because I did confide in more than one individual that I thought I could to find out later that it had been blabbed to others. That's hurtful. That doesn't build anyone up. That tears them down. Beloved, 
We need to bear one another's burdens. First Thessalonians chapter 5 speaks to this as well. In verse 14, 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. I'm going to try your patience a little more and do another, give another reading from John Gill along this line. That is, bearing one another's burdens. Which may be understood either of sins, which are heavy burdens to sensible sinners, to all that are partakers of the grace of God. Christ is only able to bear these burdens so as to remove them and take them away, which He has done by His blood, sacrifice, and satisfaction. Saints bear one another's not by making satisfaction for them, which they are not able to do, nor by conniving at them and suffering them upon them, which they should not do, but by gently reproving them, by comforting them when oppressed with guilt, by sympathizing with them in their sorrows, by praying to God for to manifest His pardoning grace to them, and by forgiving them themselves so far as they are uh, so as there are faults committed against them. Or else the frailties and infirmities of weak saints, which are troublesome and apt to make uneasy, are meant, and which are to be borne by the strong, by making themselves easy with them, and by accommodating themselves to their weaknesses, and by abridging themselves of some liberties which otherwise might be lawful taken by them. Or afflictions may be designed which are grievous to the flesh and are borne by others when they administer help and relief under them, whether in a temporal or spiritual way. And when they conclude them and sympathize with them, bear apart with them and make others griefs and sorrows their own. And since love is the fulfilling of the law, which we saw back in chapter 5, here we see love in action, whereby we know that we love not in word, but in deed. It's easy to say, I love you. That's, li that's, uh, that's loving in word. But John says we're not to love in word, we're to love in deed. In other words, we do. 
what was said in John thirteen thirty four thirty five. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Yes, let us show our love by bearing one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for your word, your command. Give us wisdom to, to know how to help a brother and not be busybodies. Give us wisdom to not only to know how to help them, but to know when to help and in all that goes along with it. That we might do it to your honor and your glory. And to the good of others. In Jesus name. Amen.